the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nala. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. For those looking to take their market and business knowledge to the next level, we offer Magic Markets Premium, a research reports and podcast library that nearly has 100 reports in it and a new one every week, all available for just 99 Rand a month. Recent reports have included the likes of Kroger, Deer & Co, Foot Locker, McDonald's, UPS, Apple, Meta, Johnson & Johnson & Swatch. With broad variety and deep research, this is perfect for anyone looking to go to the next level. We invite you to join us in Magic Markets Premium. Go to magic-markets.com to subscribe. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by B2IT. Have you heard of Robotic Process Automation or RPA? It taps into the incredible potential of artificial intelligence to effortlessly handle those never-ending, monotonous tasks. Or as B2IT put it, they make robots so people don't have to be robots. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. We thank B2IT for their support of Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 163 of the Magic Markets podcast. You heard from Dino Zuckler last week on a really great show with uh, Westbrook where we talked about alternative assets. Highly recommend you go check it out if you haven't listened to it already. Always fun to dig into that side of the market. This week we are back to our normal programming thanks to B2IT, which means that Mo and I go and pick two international stocks that we both want to have a look at. We try and theme it that they at least have some relation to each other. And uh, this week we did Uber in Magic Markets Premium. We've actually just finished recording it. So we decided to do two other platform businesses in the free show, Mo. And I took on Airbnb and you took on Shopify. Indeed, Ghost. I mean, it's the week four for platform businesses, tech businesses. And again, a lot of these companies have recently put out results. So there's quite a bit to unpack. Uh, As you mentioned, I've looked at Shopify uh, and I've got a story here, right? I mean, it was a stock that I I looked at and I thought, "Mm, it's probably worth a short uh, entered a short position. And then actually before the latest results, the stock gapped up. I, I was stopped out of that uh, at a small loss, uh, helped uh, manage some of the risk. And then after the results, the stocks actually come all the way back down to where I'd entered the short. So it's a question mark in terms of, you know, is it worth considering a short again for me specifically? But that's why Shopify particularly interesting for me. You've done Airbnb and I- I'm quite keen to hear what's happened in Airbnb as well, because we've covered a lot of stocks in the leisure space, hotels, airlines. And so yeah, I'm going to actually let you go first with Airbnb. You jump in and then I'll follow up with, with Shopify. Yeah, 100%. So how's this for a number? 99 million nights and experiences. That's how many were booked in the fourth quarter of the last Airbnb financial year, which is pretty wild. It's their highest fourth quarter ever in terms of the actual nights and experiences booked. So talk about scale, right? And their revenue that came in at $2.2 billion, up 17% year on year. People clearly still hitting the travel button and getting those holiday snaps ready for the gram or Facebook, as boomers would say. They've got around 5 million hosts around the world now, Airbnb. It's just incredible. And 7.7 million active listings by the end of 2023, up 18% year on year. It also shows you that uh, clearly a good number of hosts have more than one listing. They also say that 90% of the traffic to their site or their application is direct or unpaid because the majority of Airbnb listings are not available elsewhere. Now, that's a good thing because it means that Airbnb is not constantly competing against other platforms and just pouring money into the deep, dark hole that is Google Ads. 
And that is something that crushed a business like TripAdvisor, which doesn't actually have anything unique to offer. The point here is that Airbnb has a pretty decent moat of extensive listings and users. Now, another key recent initiative at Airbnb has been around pricing because guests were giving feedback that Airbnb had simply become too expensive. Now, they've been working with their hosts on initiatives like getting rid of cleaning fees and providing discounts for longer stays. Interestingly enough, 19% of stays are monthly and over 40% are weekly. So there's pretty strong penetration here on longer stays and this does wonders for the utilization rates on listings because at the end of the day, if you own a property that you are listing for people to stay at, you desperately need to increase the number of nights getting used. Despite the pricing initiatives, nights and experiences booked were up 12% and you'll recall that revenue is up 17%. So there's still a pricing uplift there. It's not just a volumes game. There seems to be an inflation element to it as well. And despite recognizing a net loss of $349 million this quarter, mainly due to interesting tax expenses, full year income was $4.8 billion off revenue of $9.9 billion. Very, very high. Adjusted EBITDA was $3.7 billion, which weirdly is lower. So you'd have to dig into the income statement here to really have a look. But perhaps the number that matters is free cash flow, $3.8 billion. Now these are proper margins. They really, really are. And the share price is up 18.5% over the past 12 months. So these numbers have driven some activity at Airbnb. But notably, the price is only slightly up versus the IPO a few years ago. What is it that we always say about buying IPOs? Rather avoid because you are probably going to be disappointed. Yeah, indeed on that IPO point. I mean, it's, it's always a sore point because you see it and you see it almost across the entire spectrum. Uh, I'm going to jump into Shopify now. And I mean, Ghost, you went into a lot of the numbers. I'm going to save the numbers on Shopify as my second talking point. As my first talking point, I just want to actually start off with what is Shopify? Now, I'm not sure if you get it down in South Africa, but it's effectively an e-commerce platform. Uh, if you can think of a competitor, you're probably looking at the likes of Amazon. And again, I must say, I, I use Amazon a heck of a lot. I don't use Shopify. I haven't used Shopify. But this is a company that operates not just in North America, but they're in Europe. They say they're in the Middle East. They say they're in Africa. So again, I, I'm not sure about South Africa, uh, but they're pretty much a global company. And the, the interesting thing for me here is that Shopify wasn't just providing this e-commerce platform looking to connect merchants to effectively the end client, but they also had some interesting stuff there in terms of processing payments. They had interesting stuff in terms of point of sales software that they were rolling out to some of their merchants, even in the bricks and mortar operations. So there's a little more to Shopify than just an e-commerce platform. And I think that kind of comes through when you start to look at the numbers, which I will get into. But I want to rewind first, because this is a stock we covered in Magic Markets Premium a very, very long time ago. Actually, around two years ago, it was May 2022. And back then, the stock was trading around $330-odd, then thereabouts. Now, there was a stock split. So obviously, the numbers are not directly comparable to that old report. If you go and have a look at it, I think it was a 10 to 1 stock split. But at that time, we really felt that the stock was on its way down, it was well off its peaks, and we felt it could fall further. You know, it was, let's call it $35 if we, if we take the stock split into account. And we felt it could go lower, and it actually fell down to around $24, which was between our support one and support two levels on our technical chart. Uh, even on the fundamentals, we had said we thought it was around two to four times overvalued, and that really played out. Remember, this was a stock that was really hyped up, and it played out, as I say, bottomed out significantly lower around $24. Now, the point here, and perhaps this is the important point to consistently keep your eye on the market, consistently see what's happening with companies, is that I certainly hadn't looked at the stock since then. 
and it's done really, really well. In fact, as we speak today, it's up at around $81 a share. So what's actually happened? As I indicated, you know, it's rallied. The rally was a little bit before the results. It was actually because Amazon had put out very strong numbers for their last quarter. And so the market kind of extrapolated that and said, hey, we think Shopify is going to have a really blockbuster uh, holiday season. And so the stock rallied on some of that positive momentum. It's come off a little bit from those peaks. But again, a very strong rally. But an important point I want to note is that it's only testing its 200-week moving average from below now at present. So this shows you how much it actually rose early days, then fell very sharply. And even with the kind of rally that you've seen over the course of the last 18 months, it's only testing its 200-week moving average at present from below. Now, if you're watching this a lot more closely, if you looked at daily moving averages, it kind of gave you the signal around a year ago, January to March 2023, where it kind of broke above the 200-day moving average, sustained that, and then started on this very strong bull trend. Now, what's been some of the bullishness? We had covered some of these points in our original bull box. We said, you know, they've got a greater share of wallet with the payments ecosystem that they were building. They also had subscriptions that they had introduced in Shopify, and this allowed them a greater share of wallet with their customers, but also allowing them to scale into the subscriptions business. On the bear point, and remember, we were bearish on the stock when we had covered it, we said there's a lot of competition. We had highlighted the non-conventional players. If you're thinking e-commerce platforms, we had said something like Meta with Facebook Marketplace would be a competitor, Shopify. We had mentioned Amazon, obviously. And at the time, the company was really low on cash flow. And this is where I'm going to end this point because it would feed into my next point. That's what's actually swung around very, very strongly. They were low. They were in the negative cash flow for quite some time. And on the most recent results, they've swung very strongly into the positives. And in fact, how positive? Just shy of a billion dollars, 900 million versus a negative cash flow number in the preceding year. I'm going to unpack what's actually unlocked that as my next point, and we'll get into some of the detailed numbers and how that's come through. So my second point is also a bit of a nod to what we actually just talked about in Uber, which our premium subscribers will be able to go and listen to. And Uber's been all about expanding beyond their core offering, the first offering that really hooked people and turned Uber into a verb, actually. I'm not sure Airbnb is quite at verb level, but it's also not far off, I don't think. And Airbnb is talking about expanding beyond the core. They also talk about being at an inflection point. This is all straight out of an MBA textbook, right? They have a monster of a platform, though, and it does operate across the world. So, you know, like Uber, they've had difficulties in dealing with regulators and governments, and in some cases, even communities. A lot of the pain has been taken by Airbnb. And they also point out that the largest technology companies are not a single vertical, which is right. You know, it's a point we make on magic markets all the time. But without doing anything dramatic, and you know, we'll have to wait and see what they actually announce because they've not shared any details yet about what expanding beyond the core means. They said they'll come out with more details later in 2024. So curiosity builds for that one, and hopefully they won't stuff up the business, particularly now that free cash flow has actually started coming through. But the good thing here is that even without doing anything dramatic, they do still have a decent growth runway. They actually give a really interesting statistic that says that for every one person who stays in an Airbnb, nine stay in a hotel, which is just a fancy way of saying 10% market penetration, right? Now, obviously, a lot of this is due to security concerns and also, I think, just wanting a guaranteed level of experience. For a lot of people, you don't get to go on holiday very often. I think, Mo, we talked about this when we covered Airbnb in premium. You know, if you take the family away, you want to be sure that you're actually staying in a proper hotel where there's a real manager who you can shout at if it's garbage and who actually cares. Airbnb, you may not be able to do any of those things. So who knows, you know, will they get all 10 of those people to stay in an Airbnb? Almost certainly not. 
But the point they make is if they can convert just one more of the 10 people, then they've basically doubled the size of their business, which is interesting. And they also have some really cool marketing campaigns to get more people to notice Airbnb. So I think the one example that's quite fun is they put together a Malibu Barbie dream house. You know, it sounds like my worst nightmare, but it is what it is. They partnered with Mattel on this. And that was at the time that the movie was released. So the whole idea was to create this movie level experience where you could go and hang out at Malibu Barbie dream house. And, uh, you know, if that's for you, it's for you. At least it's interesting and it's different. And they say that this initiative got three times as many press articles as their IPO. So, you know, it's fun to point fingers at this stuff. But at the end of the day, if it's winning them that much in the way of free press, that is worth a lot of money in building a brand, especially building a B2C brand, because marketing is usually so, so expensive. So interesting stuff, a lot of optionality in the model. We haven't seen them deliver on it in quite the extent that the likes of Uber has done, but perhaps when they announce something this year, it will be exciting. Yeah, I mean, Airbnb for me was always this, this difficult nut to crack because I've, I've looked at them a number of times. Every time you're considering a holiday, a stay away, whatever it might be, I go and have a look and I just can't quite convert into being a customer. And I can tell you the Barbie dream house, that's not going to convert me into, into being a customer. And then around the point about being a verb, right? You mentioned about, you know, bringing Airbnb to customers, uh, sharing that brand with them. Well, I get bombarded with adverts from a company called Verbo. And that's VRBO. So I think they're trying very hard to be a verb and they compete directly with Airbnb in terms of just the service offering. Uh, let me jump back into Shopify because I mentioned, you know, we've gone into cash flow positive territory. What did the numbers look like? So they recently released their financial results for the fourth quarter and full year 2023. And there was really strong growth across various metrics. So I'm going to unpack that. First of all, we saw a 26% increase in total revenue. And that's solid, solid double-digit growth. It's now at $7.1 billion. And if we unpack that into the various verticals that they operate in, Merchant Solutions, that grew at 27%, slightly ahead of the, the overall number there. If we have a look at subscriptions value, that was slightly lower, but still very respectable, up 23% to $1.8 billion. Then if we have a look at, you know, that's obviously the, the, the top line, the value. If we look at volumes, we also saw gross merchandise volume increase 20%. So that's a respectable number that comes through. It's showing you, you know, not just ticket sizes, but overall volumes that's gone up. Then importantly, I mentioned they were in the payments vertical as well. Their gross payment volume, that actually reached $137 billion and actually accounted for 58% of the gross merchandise value that they had processed. So this just showing you that they are indeed getting a greater share of wallet. That was one of our bull points when we had actually covered the stock a while ago. Now, let's look at the outlook first of all, before I go into the cash flow point, the outlook that they provided for the year ahead, you know, they're expecting pretty solid growth there. They call it low 20s percentage rate year on year in the first quarter. And again, there's some interesting things that have actually come through there. Uh, margins, the company, really respectable margins, their gross margin improving to 49.8% in 2023 from 49.2%. So still sustaining and growing what is a very healthy gross margin. And then some operational efficiencies coming through in the business. And this is where the cash flow 
comes through. I mean, this big improvement, it's a positive free cash flow margin of 13% from a negative number in the preceding year. Now, what's been driving some of this? They have announced last year that they had sold their logistics business. This was a business called Deliver with two R's on the end. You know, I, I don't know what it is with these tech companies and just adding too many letters. Like we had Deliveroo, which competes a little bit with Uber and Uber Eats. Now we've got Deliver, which is this this logistics business. Ghost, I, I can see you want to jump in. <laughs> Man, they either have no vowels or they have all the vowels. You must, you must either have no O's or five in a row. We should, we should call this magic markets and just add lots of S's, maybe dollar signs on the so. end, right? But l- let me jump back into it. They sold this logistics business. And why is this important? Is that the logistics business was a drain on their cash flow resources. So not only did they get a little bit of a bump up in terms of selling that business, but I think that contributing to the overall operational efficiencies. Now, if we superimpose on that, uh, a reduction in capital expenditure. Remember, a lot of the investment in this business goes up front in terms of building the tech stack, building out your, your technology, what you're allowing, uh, what you're able to, to offer to your customers. And if you actually tail that off, this drops very quickly down to the bottom line. So this contributing to that positive 900 million free cash flow story, the market really liking that. But now here's the big but, right? The big but is that despite the fact that these fourth quarter results were strong, despite the fact that it spun into this positive cash flow story, there are question marks around how sustainable that positive free cash flow is. And then if you superimpose on that, the fact that its price to sales ratio still looks ridiculous. I mean, this is a metric we covered in our premium show when we looked at Uber. I'm not going to say what it is in Uber. I'm not going to give away. If you're a premium subscriber, go and check that out. But when we look at Shopify, that's now at over 16 times. So this should give you reason to pause because as recent as October last year, it was down around 10 times, which is also a a ridiculous number. But if you're at 16 now from a ridiculous 10 in October, I certainly would pause. I would say, yes, there's a lot. And when I say a lot, that's what's like lots of zeros, like like a lot of optimism, a lot of growth priced into the stock. And that gives me reason to pause despite a solid double digits plus 20% growth rate that's come through. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So what I've started doing is I start looking at these price to sales ratios. Then I imagine, okay, like what is the free cash flow margin at scale? So then what is this effective scale free cash flow yield you're paying? And I mean, what is it? 16 times sales. It's just the numbers don't work. They just don't work. Anyway, moving on, moving on from the, something else ridiculous is uh, artificial intelligence, which every company is now an expert in. So at Airbnb, they make a lot of noise around AI. They acquired something called Game Planner AI in November 2023. I did a cursory Google, there's a verb, and uh, basically I found an article on a very techie site that said, you know, who the hell is Game Planner AI and what do they do? So if if those geeks don't know what it does, then I'm not going to pretend to know what it does. But Airbnb does at least acknowledge that they're not playing in the infrastructure layer of AI, like Amazon, for example, but they're going to focus on the application layer, which makes sense because this is, at the end of the day, their core business. It's, I don't even know why they need to actually say that, as though anyone assumes they're going to go off and build their own version of AWS. Anyway, they talk about building an app that knows you, kind of scary, and they call it the ultimate concierge. Sounds like it predicts behavior and shows you stuff you might be interested in, which also sounds to me like Facebook 10 years ago. But anyway, artificial intelligence, it's 2024 and everything has to have AI in it. But at least they are not going to ramp up the group headcount like crazy to try and deliver some of these initiatives, or at least we hope not. It's only up 1% actually, their headcount in the last year, so that's pretty mild. They do see it accelerating from here, but there's no crazy talk right now about bringing on big costs or taking fat chances with the tech 
Although, you know, with them announcing this whole expanding beyond the core later this year, I suppose anything is possible. I think for me, the key is capital allocation discipline. And it seems like this lesson has largely been learned now in the tech sector, spearheaded by the likes of Meta and what happened to that share price when Zuckerberg was making fun videos about having legs. Didn't work. When interest rates are low, the market rewards innovation and risk-taking. When those interest rates are nice and high, the market wants to see free cash flow, modest headcount growth, overall cost discipline, you know, all that boring Benjamin Graham stuff. And of course, EBITDA to free cash flow conversion, something Airbnb is doing a decent job on these days. But on a sales multiple of 9.8 times, they are pretty fully priced right now on their free cash flow margin of nearly 30%. So it feels like they're operating at a scale margin and they are certainly priced like a scale business. Maybe they can get the free cash flow margin up from here. I'm not fully convinced. A lot of it will depend on what they do with their core business. You know, we won't give away Uber here, but certainly, Mo, if you're going to ask me to have a punt at Uber or Airbnb, it's going to take me a nanosecond to make that decision, and it will be Uber. Yeah, Ghost, I mean, th- those ridiculous price-to-sales multiples. I mean, that that's certainly not something that's held back a stock like, like Shopify. And again, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you know, A, maybe we didn't watch it closely enough, but B, I've probably been a little bit too bearish on the stock versus what the share price has done. You know, don't fight the market. You know, luckily, haven't lost a lot of money on it. I wasn't short from ridiculous levels. Uh, let's unpack that because I'm going to use this as my last point. Now, Ghost, when we looked at the stock around two years ago, we said there were lots of competitors and we listed a bunch of them. Wix, for example, they they allow people to build online platforms, you know, e-commerce platforms. There's a company called Big C, which I don't think a lot of people have heard of. And again, it's probably not surprising. That stock down significantly. Then companies like GoDaddy. But then you've got to include Amazon. You've got to include other companies that operate in this place. For example, you know, CRM, that's Salesforce. You've got to include Intuit. You know, these are stocks that we have covered in Magic Markets Premium. So what I did is I said, let's have a look at five years. What has actually performed over the last five years? And Ghost, I'm going to use my my usual cheat here and say, okay, great. Over five years, if I listed all of these companies, you mentioned Meta, we mentioned Amazon. Who do you think comes out top of the pops? Let's throw in, for example, Mercado Libre, another stock that we covered in Magic Markets Premium. Who comes out over five years as top of the pops, your number one spot on the podium? Well, I hate guessing these. You know, I hate guessing these. No, you just give give us the answer. Don't cheat. Give Don't us go the answer. Google. Give us the answer. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll give I'll give, I'll give you the answer. I kind of cheated a little bit and I said I, I threw in Mercado Libre because Mercado Libre, that's the LATAM e-commerce platform, which you know it's the it's the Amazon of Latin America, also doing some phenomenal stuff in the payment space with Mercado Pago and all of that stuff. That stock outperforming over the last five years, it's been absolutely stellar and it's up over 370%. So that that is a strong, strong return. But what surprised me is Shopify a very, very close second coming through at around 340%. So that I must say surprised me. I would not have expected Shopify to be on the number two spot on the podium. And then Meta coming through at a distant third position, 192% over the last five years. So I said, okay, great. That five years, it's been very volatile. I mean, at one point in time, if we have a look at Shopify specifically, it was almost 100x return. It was up almost 900%. And this was around two and a half years ago when the stock had peaked before we had actually covered it in Magic Markets Premium. So let's look at a shorter time period. Over the last year, who's actually come through? Who's performed? Well, we know the Meta story. Meta was ridiculously strong. They're at the number one spot. But again, surprising me here, we have Shopify in the number two position, up 86% over the last year. So this showing you that it's enjoyed a phenomenal, phenomenal rally. The likes of Mercado Libre, that coming through at around a number five position, up around 60%. Now we're talking big numbers, 
but Shopify really outperforming. And perhaps I've got to get this through my head in terms of you might not like management, but hey, the market certainly doesn't mind paying 16 times price to sales multiples. Ghost, how's it done from when we covered the stock in May 2022? Well, as is probably evidence, Shopify coming through in the number three position there, up around 110%. Number two position going to, again, Mercado Libre, 120%. And then Meta shooting the lights out up around 140% over that time period. Importantly, this is a growth stock. You have to be comfortable with paying ridiculous multiples for the stuff, and it does not pay you a dividend. Management, the bit I, we didn't like about management ghost was, there was shortly after we covered this, management, it still found the lead. And he had actually passed through a special deal. There are several share classes that cemented his control over the business. This is the number two or number three largest stock on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It's actually like the Canadian Nasdaq. if you want to have a look at it that way. I love it, hate it. That share price performance, fantastic. Sad to say I haven't enjoyed any of that ghost. It is literally Canadian Nasdaq. That is actually the best possible description from start to finish. Yeah, it's not for me. I'm not going to pay those sort of numbers for a business like Shopify. It's just... Just don't see the point really and i just don't think it has enough of a moat i really don't so not for me airbnb also not for me at this valuation if you want to know which one i'd pick of the three go and listen to magic markets premium indeed and, and ghost i'm going to throw in you know another stock we cover in magic markets premium mercado libre for me for the growth story for an e-commerce platform you want growth latam's a very fast global region they're doing some interesting things and again if you're a premium subscriber go and check out our report on mercado libre it's in the library We've got over 100 reports on a variety of global stocks, and you can get that for only 99 Rand a month. That's where we've got to leave it this week. Hit us up on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod, one word, at Finance Ghost and at Mohammed Nala, all on X, or go and find us on LinkedIn and pop us a note on there. We hope you've enjoyed this. Until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Ciao. We thank our sponsor, B2IT, for making this show possible. B2IT is all about making life easier, one robot at a time. If you hate it, automate it. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 